the RTE Rugby Podcast, sponsored by Canterbury. See the new Irish men and women's rugby jerseys at canterbury.com. And you are very welcome along to this week's RTE Rugby Podcast. And what a week we have in store for us, because this Saturday it is a test decider in Wellington between Ireland and the All Blacks after Ireland won. Last week's second test, 23 points to 12. We now head down to Wellington, where Michael Corcoran and Donald Lennon both are at the moment. Gents, thanks a million for joining us. It's uh, it's in the evening in New Zealand at the moment. We're early morning here in Ireland, and we're bracing ourselves for an absolutely brilliant week. Donald, this is what it's all about, isn't it? Yeah, it certainly is. I mean, uh, Michael and I were privileged to be in Dunedin last week to see a, a first-ever Irish win against New Zealand uh, in their own backyard. And I can tell you, they don't like it. Uh, the reaction has been uh, quite informative on and off the field. Um, I think supplemented then by last night when the lads beat the Maori in horrific conditions here in Wellington. Uh, Birch would know what it's like when you're away on tour. You have a test team on a Saturday. You have other lads playing midweek. Um, particularly after losing the opening Maori game when they kind of bounced back and, and won last night uh, to enhance the victory, if you like, last Saturday. It just carries the momentum into next weekend. Everybody within the group now feels real. You know, they've contributed, uh, you know, to an important win on tour. Uh, I bumped into some of the lads just walking around Wellington today. Uh, they have a day off and you could see everybody was beaming. They were happy. There's a great atmosphere within the group and... Uh, no, I think it's all eyes on Saturday, Saturday morning at home, Saturday evening out here. Really looking forward to it. And and Bernard Jackman, you were on the podcast with us as well last week. And one of the things we were speaking about was the fact that the mood around Ireland wasn't particularly great this time a week ago. But we were saying the difference that a win last weekend just would have made instantly because you're at that midpoint part of the tour where... You know, it doesn't really matter if there's a cloud over the team. If they were able to level the series last week, all of a sudden they were heading into this Maori game. And now off the back of that, they've had another decent performance. The mood has just improved even even further. It's like it's incredible the difference a few days can make. Yeah, and that's sport. And in fairness, credit to the to the senior players that played Saturday in the lead. They started it. You know, they got the belief to tinker their game plan a little bit and put in a phenomenal performance and exposed you know any weaknesses that were there in the All Blacks and again the younger guys the younger brigade followed up on that you know with that performance yesterday against the Maori which you know as Don said it can only you know give them that feel good fact that they've contributed to this tour and they just seem to be very together I mean even it's noticeable you know um, in the test matches obviously they're massive dress rooms but all the squad seem to be in there you know at half time together you know hearing what's what's going on and likewise you know the, the senior players are supporting the the, the, the lads who played against the Maori on a Tuesday so I think if they can finish this off on Saturday um, with a win it's obviously going to be phenomenal but I, I think that given they've beaten you know the All Blacks once given those youngsters have beaten the Maori haven't obviously had a very tough first game this tour um, has been very worthwhile um, and you know will hopefully help us um, in terms of depth and continue to to build on, on what Farrell has started so far. Yeah, it certainly has. And and Corky, like Donald said it there right at the start, that uh, the reaction in New Zealand has, I think, informative was the word he used. And obviously he said they don't like it. They don't enjoy losing. What have, what have you seen over the last few days? What has the, the reaction been to, to both Ireland and New Zealand? The word that I heard used early in the week is a kind of good one, actually. He said their attitude is a bit salty. 
It's not something that happens very often in terms of them losing matches at all. Now, I might say matches at home. Um, it's incredible, actually, how when you talk to people, they say, oh, you know, we don't we, we don't mind losing to the Irish because they're they're good rivals of ours over the last number of years. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see what the bounce back is going to be in terms of um, what happens uh, here in Wellington um, th this coming weekend. But, you know, we're in a situation where four games into the tour, uh, you know, it's two all. Now, there's not an awful lot of people, to be perfectly honest about it, who would have said two all going into the final match. A lot of people said it could be five nil, which is quite, quite surprising. Uh, some people said maybe we might win one match. That could be the situation. Well, Everything is on the line this coming Saturday. There's a huge feel-good factor around the squad. And, I mean, I've been on many tours, like Don, like Bernard uh, as well before. There isn't a kind of end-of-season feel about this at all. Normally, you have, uh, you know, players and management kind of thinking ahead to maybe next week, what day are you getting back, where are you going on your holidays, all this kind of stuff or whatever. Uh, there's a feeling here that there's a job to be done. There's history to be created. Uh, and there's a huge, huge effort, as, as Andy Farrell said, you know, during the course of the week, this is the this is the week of our lives. This is what we've dreamed of. This is what people have dreamed of. There's an opportunity to fly out of New Zealand, regardless of whether it's Sunday or Monday, uh, in a situation where you've won a series down here and you've won three out of five games on New Zealand soil. And remember, I mean, I've even said it in the past that, you know, online stores have been down here. Those Maori matches are seen as, um, you know, the, the sort of unofficial fourth test now. The Maori mightn't be at the standard now that they were at, but you know the the the, the victory by Ireland in the midweek game was superb and just like everything else, winning becomes a habit. So let's see if Ireland can win three games in a row. Yeah, and it's interesting you say obviously like that the the focus is on this weekend and that there's nobody getting too excited or or just attention kind of wandering off into the off season. Like it was something we said on on Saturday. You'd you'd send audio back from the stadium to us of people you were chatting to, whether it was Andy Farrell or I think Ty Byrne was another one of them. And, you know, one of the things you could really pick up off of what they were saying was obviously they were delighted. There was a huge amount of excitement and enjoyment in what they'd achieved. And they recognised they had done something no Irish team had done before as well. But at the same time, there was, it was certainly a lot more restrained than you would have heard Andy Farrell and the players be after they beat New Zealand last November it was a lot different to what you would have heard when they beat them in 2018 or in 2016 as well. There's very much an idea of the job is only half done here. Completely. Um, you know, that's, that's, that's a, a change maybe in mindset. Some of the work they've been doing maybe with Gary Keegan over the while as well, in terms of their, their whole mental approach to things. Um, and as I say, you know, that they, they won't be happy this week that they've won or they've beaten the All Blacks the first time and, and be just happy with that and settle for that. And they want to go one step further. And that's the mindset of a of a winning team, the mindset of a champion winning team. And, you know, Andy Farrell has said repeatedly over the last number of weeks that they're going to use this tour to um, hopefully unearth a couple of gems. That's the phrase that he's used. Well, we've already seen a couple of gems in those midweek matches. And that's where, you know, the games against the Maori have been absolutely invaluable in unearthing players and, and giving, you know, first, first hand experience, first team experience to people, maybe who, if it was just three test matches, wouldn't really get a chance. And I think that's one of the big pluses of, uh, of what's happened over the last couple of weeks. And Donald, then looking at the differences between test one and two, like obviously the scoreline's the massive difference and it's the one we care most about, but, but what, what did you see was the difference? Like, what was it that, 
that Ireland did that made sure that, you know, they were able to hold on to that good start rather than see it peter away like it did in the first test? Well, look, I think the, the crucial areas coming into the game were the set piece and the breakdown. That's what had cost them so uh, dearly up in uh, Eden Park in the first test. Scrum was under pressure early on. Uh, line-out didn't function the way they wanted it to. Uh, obviously, look, you've got to put the performance into context. I think New Zealand had only 15 men for 17 minutes. So obviously, when you play with seven forwards for that long, that has an impact uh, on the scrum. But that said, I thought uh, Andrew Porter was outstanding up against uh, Tunga Fassi. Uh, he'd been sort of on the receiving end of one or two harsh penalties the first weekend. His response, I think, was indicative of the response of the team. Um, there's no doubt in terms of uh, you know their, their ability to get that ball, the ball that little bit wider. Um, you know, was there for all to see. Uh, but I think, look, the, the worrying point of view from. Uh, as we know, in the first test, over the line four times. On top of that, you had Van, uh, Josh van der Fleer and Joey Carberry failing to, to ground the ball. Uh, I suppose the most pleasing aspect was they continued to create those chances. Uh, the worry was before half time. I mean, at one stage, they were playing against 13 men. Should have been 12 by all accounts because of uh, so many uh, mistakes by the officials. But that's uh, uh, another topic. Um, but at one stage, there was only five backs there. Bowden Barrett was in the scrum at number eight because um, they had to have eight in the pack, even in the uncontested scrums. But there was an element of, of, of panic there, trying to force passes to get it to space. And uh, there's no doubt it should have been 17 mil at half time. That would have been a fair reflection on that first half. So going in and typical New Zealand scoring their try in the red, they had one entry into the Irish 22 in that hope, 40 minutes. Ireland had seven and had only 10 points to show for their efforts. So that's a concern, uh, something that followed on from the first test. Uh, the brilliant thing is they're creating so many opportunities, but you won't beat New Zealand two games in a row by not taking them when they arrive. And I think, to be fair, they've learned from um, uh, every outing against New Zealand. Um, so from that point of view, uh, as I say, set piece was outstanding. Uh, I think you're the likes of Ty Byrne, no question. He benefited hugely from having 65 minutes in the first test. Hadn't played since the last game in the Six Nations. He was phenomenal. Um, the back row, Peter O'Mahony, uh, Josh van der Fleer is just playing at a different level. Um, so that, to me, was the most pleasing thing that they were able to, um, you know, if you took out the second quarter in Eden Park, Ireland played very well. First 20 outstanding. Second half, they matched New Zealand, 14 points all. That second quarter killed them. But it, it was sufficient in their display to give them the belief that they could win last weekend. And despite the fact that they left opportunities behind them, they did that. I think there'll be a, a consciousness within the group that New Zealand are going to hit them with everything. So every single opportunity to put points on the board will have to be taken this time. But, um, you know, that's... That's the type of pressure that they've been reveling in, if you like, since they've come down here. And, Burge, how do you weigh that part of the game where there was obviously the massive frustration in that second quarter where they had a man or a two-man advantage for large chunks of it and wasted a lot of really, really good opportunities in the 22. But then on the flip side, you also have the, the element where they went in at half time, having had a bit of a soccer punch. And I would say there were a lot of people sitting at home watching that game and at halftime went up. Oh, here we go again. This isn't looking good. 
but they came out and they were balanced and they were measured in the second half and they didn't panic and they saw things out in a very, very level-headed and professional manner. Is, is that the flip side of the chances they wasted in the first half where they were able to actually park it all and stay really, really composed under pressure? Yeah, I think it's better for them. Um, obviously, they would like to put them away. Um, but I think when you look back at some of the decisions they made in terms of you know, the options they took when they had those penalties, they were all the right decisions. I mean, Sexton went for that scrum because he knew that would force well, mm. he thought it would force the All-Backs to go down to 12 and it would be a run-in. And, and the, the, the strike play they played is a good strike play to play against a backline that's short, um, shorter player. Just James Lowe, on this occasion, dropped it. And, and, and probably he was the only one of the 15 players and even the bench that just didn't have, you know, an 8 out of 10 or plus game, which is remarkable. And, and you know, but you would back him to, to, to bounce back. The, the level of performance across the whole squad was, was phenomenal. But I think, you know, going into halftime, only 10-7 up, given the domination they had in terms of a numerical plus territory possession, like they could have panicked, but they, they didn't. They came out in the second half and um, were much more composed, much more accurate, and put in a, another phenomenal performance. So, um, it's that that that's going to be good for them, you know, because we're all we're not always going to get our, our own way, particularly against a team of the quality of the All Blacks, and um, we need to stick in the in the contest and, and you know find find solutions on the run, and, and and we've done that. So look, we have a very experienced team, um, and certainly when you look at our experienced players compared to the All Blacks, you know, our our lads were exemplary. Um, they have a lot of questions to ask and. You know, um, it's gonna be fascinating how they respond as well. And and obviously, you know, we had a we played under a closed roof. The conditions were perfect. You know, listening to to Don there about the wind outside, and Michael. You know, that may not be the case of the weekend. And the weather, in fairness, let's be honest, our skill set wasn't as good as we would have liked in, in its first test, where there was the conditions weren't ideal, and you know, we gave away a lot of handling errors. So. And that's another challenge for Ireland. Plus, obviously, I'm just fascinated to see how the All Blacks react. And their go-to historically has been physicality. Um, but it's very difficult now to bring that level of violence that they have in the past and stay inside the laws. And obviously, they've been burnt by those last weekend. So, you know, the, the bits of New Zealand media I've been reading, they've been kind of challenging world rugby around, around the refereeing and you know, becoming a card fest, etc. It'll be interesting to see what Donald and Michael think. Um, the their reaction to this being, do they feel hard done by, or do they think um, they just need to sort it out? Michael, no, there's a tendency down here to blame everything and anything except the people who were responsible. I think the bottom line is, uh, you know. Uh, the, the, We've seen since, um, you know, uh, there was clarification on certain issues. There should have been maybe a penalty try and a yellow card for the Joey Cabri incident in the first test, like the um, uh, the Fianga Nuku hit on uh, Mac Hansen. For me, uh, like down here, they're blaming Mac Hansen. I mean, your man comes flying through the air. He lands on top of him, just charging at him from 10 metres. You have a duty of care. Um but then you see they're, they're kind of scratching their head as well because I was reading the paper here this morning and they said, well, Jakob Piper, they weren't happy with him. They weren't happy with Carl Dixon the first day. And now the referee next weekend is Wayne Barnes. 
and they're saying, well, he's the best referee, but, oh God, then they get a flashback to the quarterfinal against France in 2007 when they lost in Cardiff, and they're still blaming him for that. So they're, uh, they, they don't know where to turn at this stage. But, um, you know, they got to look at themselves. And, uh, you know, Birch was talking about handling errors there in Auckland in less than ideal conditions. The amazing thing, and the thing that struck me from the first two games, the, the first Maori game in Hamilton, and the All Blacks game in Eden Park, something, look, I've seen it a hundred times before. The skill set and the skill levels that those players, particularly even the young Maori players, because the weather wasn't great in Hamilton on the opening night either, but their skill set was outstanding. Uh, we know that young fellas here have a rugby ball in their hands since they're four or five years of age. But you go back, the extraordinary thing last weekend, and Sam Kane referenced it yesterday in the press conference, in, under a roof in Dunedin, New Zealand had seven, 27 handling errors. I mean, that's extraordinary for them. So, um, you know, they're going to have to get those things right and look at themselves before they start talking about officials and cards and all that. But, um, Michael, you've been, you've been at all the press conferences and you've heard the moans and the groans. Yeah, and like it takes me back to something that somebody said years ago, you know, when you point the finger of blame at one person or you point the finger of blame in one direction don't forget there's three fingers still pointing back at you um and i mean that's it's a it's been a bit like that to be fair like everybody you know days on from from the game everybody's still complaining um about about the refereeing last weekend and about the cards and whether it was a red card or was it accidental or you know i've done a few things for for radio down here and i've pointed out to them that before the red card there were two yellow cards and it could have been, um, you know, potentially a red card as well before the first red card. Um, so as Donald said, like they do have a tendency to blame everybody else except themselves. Um, that means that they're kind of, they're feeling the pressure. They're feeling the heat. I had a cup of coffee with a um, a friend of mine this morning who, who lives and works down, down here. He's involved in rugby. And I said, how are you feeling about the weekend? And he said, I tell you what, mate, he said, I'm actually quite nervous about it because um, I'm, I'm, I'm worried about what this Ireland team can do. Um, and he said, you know, since the start of this tour, uh, you, you know, Ireland and the Irish squad is, is kind of on an upward trajectory. Um, he said, I'm kind of slightly worried about the fact where New Zealand are going. Um, and if New Zealand play this coming weekend, the same way they played last weekend, um, Ireland, he feels that Ireland are going to beat them. Now, I don't know what else is going to happen. Like we're in a city where the super rugby team are called the Hurricanes. So they're called the Hurricanes for a reason. Uh, we were at the Cake Tin last night. It was raining at one stage, then it stopped. Um, it was nice and dry, and all of a sudden, the southerly wind comes in, uh, blows drizzle and, and everything around the place. And just even being at pitch level um, after the game for to do those interviews, we had to move into the tunnel underneath the stand for to do them there because the wind was swirling and howling. I asked Andy Farrell, I said, like, how do you, how do you plan for Saturday? Or how do you try and from a kicking point of view, plan for something like that you see outside there. And he said, you can't, you just got to adapt. Like there was, a, there was, um, you got to try and adapt and live with the conditions. There was one of the uh, Maori, uh, um, I think it was Joshua, he had a conversion opportunity last night after uh, one of the tries and he nearly hit the corner flag with the kick, yeah. you know, and that was, he's not that he's a bad kicker, but it's just, it's, it's impossible to judge uh, a flight of a ball or anything like that, particularly if the wind whips up. And I, I don't know what it's going to be like on Saturday. In fact, I don't even know what it's going to be like here, Donald, as Donald will tell you, in five minutes from now. It's just it's just one of those places. So we could plan for last week under a roof. We knew the ball was going to be dry. 
there were a lot of mistakes made by the All Blacks last week. Um, and I wouldn't count on, on that record being broken next week in terms or next Saturday in terms of uh, mistakes and handling errors being made probably by both teams. Yeah, and Donald, like as you were saying off air before we, we started recording, as lovely as that backdrop is behind you there where we can see the lights of Wellington, you said it feels like the window is going to come in on top of you, such as the wind. Wellington and the and the stadium itself is it, it creates a little bit of intrigue as well just this weekend because if you look at New Zealand's record in recent years at that stadium, it isn't particularly good. They've won one of their last five matches there. Uh, the last two of them were draws. So it seems to be a ground, it seems to be a location where they have been a little bit vulnerable over the last few years, which which just ramps up the interest even further. Yeah, it certainly does. Um, it, it is interesting because it's something that keeps being brought up the same way as the Eden Park venue. We all know it is France in 94 and uh, Jean-Luc Sedourny's try from the end of the world, as they called it, that uh, that was the last time they were beaten there. It's almost like a comfort blanket when they go to Eden Park. But on the flip side, as you say, it's uh, Wellington and the Caketon, and it, it, it hasn't been a great venue for them. But, um, and I can see why, because the weather and the wind down here, and particularly when you're a team who likes to play the way New Zealand play, and because of their skill set, you know, normally... Uh, at the standard that it's at, I mean, um, you know, they, they like wind can destroy a game way more than rain. You know, it's so difficult from a kicking perspective, from a passing perspective. So uh, from that point of view, it does create a different challenge. And I think in some respects, it, it was advantageous that Ireland played in the same stadium in that type of condition on Tuesday night because they have a reference point. I mean, Johnny Sexton could talk to Kieran Frawley uh, Gibson Park can talk to um, Craig Casey just in terms of how it affected them and what was difficult, what did they have to do to adapt. So even that little bit of inside information, uh, all the Irish players were obviously there. I walked across the pitch after the match and you were struggling to actually make progress. So, I mean, that's the type of conditions that they have there. Um, so it does add another element. Um, but look, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to know that this crowd... Uh, they're hurting. They're going to come out all guns blazing. Uh, the issue we've seen, and uh, Andy Farler's referenced it, you know, when we won in Chicago, two weeks later in Dublin was brutal. When we won in 2018 in Dublin, the quarterfinal was brutal. Every time we've beaten them, they've come back. They've had massive physicality. Um, but I think, you know, referees are looking at them now. They have stepped across the mark and the you know, they're under the microscope. Referees talk to each other. Wayne Barnes has been down here for the past number of weeks. Uh, I saw he did one of the Pacific games there, um, Fiji and Australia. Sorry, Australia, I think. So, um, you know, he's listening to what goes on. And um, uh, it's, it's, it's an interesting dynamic. Uh, the most interesting part for me will be the New Zealand selection. Uh, talk that there is going to be a, a, a number of changes. It's amazing all the controversy around Johnny Sexton and concussion last week. It looks as if Sam Whitelock might be okay now all of a sudden, uh, which could see Scott Barrett going into the back row. I think you could put your house on Will Jordan being on the team. You know, he was a COVID victim, came on, scored a try in the last minute. Apparently, had he not scored that, uh, had he not scored the trial, it would have been number one in the world rankings. Not that. That makes any difference. I always say with the world rankings, the only time you want to be number one is the morning after the World Cup final. Yeah. So, uh, uh, and David Havili, uh, you know, the Crusaders centre, uh, I think he'll be back in the side as well. So, um, 
But look, this is the type of challenge. If you want to win a World Cup, you have to win. You have to win a quarterfinal, a semi-final, and a final, three weekends on the trot. So you couldn't get a better challenge in terms of having to back up what they did against New Zealand last week, but doing it again this week. And that's where you really learn about where this Irish team is, albeit they deserve all the praise in the world for the manner of the performance and the achievement last week. First, Donald mentioned the changes we're probably expecting with New Zealand. We're not really expecting too much to, to change with Ireland. Gary Ringrose is out, obviously, but you know, I think we would all assume that's shown that's just going to mean Bundyak will will come into the into the center and start after doing so well off the bench last week as well. Um would there be any bit of a concern at the lack of rotation we've seen across these three games? Because uh, we are, as we keep saying, we're just over a year out from the World Cup. And like just one position in particular, I would I would kind of take a bit of an issue with is with the back row, where it's been so settled over the last year. And as well as Peter O'Mahony and Jack Cohn and Caelan Doris and Josh Fender Fleer have played, across the span of the last 10 matches, only one other game, that Argentina game, only one other game has one other back row been involved in. And that was Nick Timoney when he was ended up brought in after a couple of COVID cases and injury withdrawals on the morning of the match. Is there scope at all there that, you know, is it a little bit too settled of a back row? No, I don't think so. I think, look, it's, um, Peter had lost his position. Um, Jack Conan lost a bit of form. Peter gets back in. He lays down a, a marker. Doris looks... Um, I think he looks better at ace. Um, obviously, uh, he had, you know, that's on the back of a big game at the weekend. Flanagan Fleer has been outstanding. I, I think the beauty of having those two Maori games meant, you know, Timoney got to play, Coombs got to play, uh, Prendergast got to, uh, got some ex- experience and got to play. And Timoney and Coombs in particular were outstanding, you know, those two games. So, look, at, uh, you want to have massive competition. And um, I think that those two Maori games gave Farrell the chance to... I suppose, test those players out, keep them very much involved in, in Ireland. And look, look at, I mean, if that hadn't happened to Josh Van Fleer, you know, obviously there's other options, but Timoney is, ha, has shown all season for Ulster and now on this tour that he's um, he's right up there. But I don't think he's any argument that Van der Fleer is just playing such good rugby. So um, I know what you're saying. I, I do think we, we needed to develop depth. Um, but I think, I, I, I think that's, there's no need to change players this weekend. It's too important in its own right. Um, and those players have got um, some valuable matches on this tour um, against decent opposition. Not all blacks level, but decent opposition. Yeah, so, so you, you you would be saying that even though it's not you know those Mario games, that they aren't official tests, they're doing just about the same job anyway, really, in terms yeah. of building that experience, yeah? Yeah, I think so. I think so. To be on tour, to be representing Ireland... Um, that's 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 where they want to be, and, and uh, it'll probably be an injury now. If, if the Irish team, the test team, keep playing to the level they're playing at, it'll probably be an injury that opens up an opportunity. You know, that's the that's the nature of it. But they have shown that they're bang on form. Corky is um, if we're talking about who've been the winners so far over the course of the like inside the Irish squad, is Kieran Treadwell right up there with with any one of them over the last few weeks? Yeah, I think he is. I think he's had a phenomenal um, tour, to be fair to him. Um, uh, and I've been praiseworthy of him, even when he hasn't been starting for Ulster this year. He's gotten to understand the role of an impact replacement. Um, and he sees that he's a massive part to play when he comes on. 
Um, and I think Kieran Treadwell has been one of the success stories. It's not that we didn't know about him. He's been one of the success stories of this tour so far. He's been very impactful off the bench. I thought um, he played really well against um, the Murray the midweek game. Um, I thought the halfbacks in, in Casey and Frawley, I thought Frawley was excellent. He kicked really well in very, very difficult um, conditions, as we keep saying. Um, and uh, like they've been good. I think Tom O'Toole has been brilliant uh, in what, what he's done. And he certainly looks like one who's uh, who's going to be there for, for a period of long time. Uh, Bernard mentioned Nick Timoney. I think he's been he's been really good also. And it's good to see Gavin Coombs back in, in good form as well. So they're the kind of the four or five gems from my point of view that Andy Farrell is looking for. He certainly has got, I would say, what he what he wanted or what he expected or anticipated out of this tour so far. And to cap it all with uh, with the series victory would be just fantastic. Yeah, it certainly would. And that'll bring us neatly up to, to our end point because we're going to have to wrap it here in the next minute or so. But I suppose what everyone wants to know, guys, is what's the verdict for this weekend? Andy Farrell has said already that regardless of what happens, he thinks this tour already has been a massive success. We want to make it even more successful, obviously, though. Donal, I'm going to come to you first with the difficult question. How is it going to go this weekend? That's what everyone yeah, look, wants it's... to know. They've just fast forwarded through these last 20, 20, 30 minutes. And they're just coming up to these last couple of minutes now. Well, look, uh, everything would say New Zealand are going to win. There's going to be a reaction. Uh, I think their team will be stronger. Uh, but I'm not writing Ireland off. I mean, I think they've been so consistent in terms of their performances. Uh, the conditions could well make a lottery of the game. We have seen in all the games that there's been cards. It's just the nature of the way the game is played now. And one incident, you go back, um, you know, Darcy Swain getting sent off in the first test against uh, England. It's the nature of the game. And the, as a consequence of that, all the predictions go out the door on the back of a, a high tackle or something like that. Uh, you'd have to think that New Zealand uh, will respond. And, uh, you know, they don't want to lose a test series here. They already have the shame, if you like, of being the first team that lost to Ireland in a test match on New Zealand soil. But there is incredible pressure on both Ian Foster and his coaching team, but also on the senior players within New Zealand. Sam Cain's quest, his captaincy is coming under question. Uh, his place in the team is coming under question. So that pressure uh, can implode if Ireland can put them under the same type of pressure that they've done in the last few weeks. New Zealand, uh, I think, probably will win, but I refuse to write Ireland off because, you know, I just felt all last week there was going to be a performance in them mentally is the biggest test. Can they raise their game again? Can they raise it another 10%, which they need to win? Um, so from that point of view, I'm, I'm fascinated. And, and obviously, look, we're, we're also talking now at a point where we don't know what that New Zealand team is. Sam Kane or Sam Whitelock starts. That's a game changer. If he doesn't start, then maybe I'd flip back towards Ireland uh, again. So there's nothing in it. Uh, New Zealand favourites, but I'm not writing Ireland off in any way, shape or form. And, uh, you know, I think they are capable of uh, pulling out a back-to-back -back performance. Birch, what's your call? I think Ireland win. I think New Zealand will be stronger with Whitelock, Havilee and Jordan if they come in. But uh, I think the pressure on them, there's so many areas of their game wrong. I think Ireland can, can do the job. And Corky, last word to you. I would love to see Ireland win. Uh, you know, I've been coming here for long enough. So, you know, to see them win last week was brilliant. To see them win midweek was fantastic. I have great belief in the squad. I think Ireland can get better. And I think Ireland will be better this week as a result 
of last week, but so too will New Zealand. And as Donald referenced earlier, I've seen the ferocity of what New Zealand can bring from a physical point of view when they're hurting, and they are hurting so much since last Saturday. Um, I'm expecting a ferocious game from them, ferociously physical, if that's if that's even a phrase. Um, a lot of pressure on the match referee, and um, I think tries are going to win this one. Whoever scores the most tries is going to win this game. Um, I'd love to say Ireland, but I just have a feeling that New Zealand are going to win it. All right, and that's where we'll leave it. It's five past eight kickoff this Saturday morning. Live commentary on RT2FM with Corky and Donal. And Jens, thanks a million for joining us this morning and this evening, wherever you're joining us from. And uh, Donal and Corky, safe, uh, safe flight home from New Zealand. Enjoy the match this weekend. Cheers, thank you. Cheers, boys. Enjoy. The RTE Rugby Podcast, sponsored by Canterbury. See the new Irish men and women's rugby jerseys at canterbury.com.